Welcome to the Nerdy Merc, where you will find all things comic books, culture, current events, and the like. This is Jeff, and I am the Nerdy Merc. Like the podcast and subscribe. If you don't find me on your favorite podcast host yet, be patient and keep checking back, as I promise it is coming soon. Make sure you leave a five-star review. So today, we're going to try to get back to the template that I have imagined for this show, where I have the three different sections, and I'm talking about the three different topics that I want to discuss. Not discussed. Why did I say discussed? Discuss. Excuse me. And that would be comic books, culture, current events. And as we know, comic books is not necessarily just comic books. It's anything and everything geeky and nerdy. So, as always, my number is 317-978-NERD. That's 317-978-6373. Give me a call, shoot me a text, you got any questions, suggestions, bitches, gripes, moans, complaints. I take them all. I don't judge you. Although you might end up on the show if you make an ass of yourself. So be warned. So today, kind of delving a little bit off of the topic, not really topic, I am, as I said in the intro show, I am all things nerd. And I also mentioned that I went to Butler University and I studied astrophysics. So astronomy is in my blood. And I want to make all of you guys aware of something really cool that is actually going on right now from October from about the week of October 16th to the 23rd it's called the Orionids meteor shower now you can best catch it when the moon is not up i'm uh, i'm actually not 100% sure even when the moon rises right now let's see so uh, the moon starts rising at about 10 o'clock right now at least in the um the eastern time zone which is where i'm at but up until the moon gets full, uh, fully into the sky, and it's only like a, a small sliver of a moon tonight anyway, so it shouldn't even really affect it. You can always focus on the area northwest of, well, just kind of northwest of Sagittarius. Pull out a star chart. I'm not going to sit here and explain where Sagittarius is. So pull out a star chart or download Skywalker star chart app, and you'll figure out where Sagittarius is. And just keep uh, keep an eye out. Now, make sure you dress cold. It's not going to be like a massive meteor shower. You're not going to see, you know, the sky is just streaking with lights going through it. No, I mean, it's going to be every, you know, you might have one minute, one every few minutes. I'm really not 100% sure exactly how thick it is right now. But it should be visible with a naked eye. Get some binoculars, uh, telescopes, although telescopes are hard to you know, actually, don't don't use a telescope. To try to see meteors. That was a that was a terrible idea. I apologize, but you should you know make a family night of it. Get a blanket out, sit it out on the ground, and just kind of lay on. Get a couple blankets so you can have one to lay on and one to cover you up, and make a night of it. Take the family out and just watch the stars. Get away from everything. Unplug and just enjoy some nature. I do not as much as I should, uh, not as much as I used to for sure, but. I do that occasionally, and I tell you what, it is good for the soul. Uh, who knows? Maybe you'll see some other stuff. Oh, guess what? As I already said, I majored in astrophysics, so if you got any questions about the stars or what's going on in the sky, shoot me those questions too. I love taking them. I love talking about that kind of stuff. I am very passionate about it. Anyway, moving on. 
Uh, if you go to my YouTube channel right now, you should see a video uploaded uh, for Marvel Comics number one. Now, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and discuss everything that I did in the video. You're going to have to go there and get that content. It's about eight and a half minutes long. And if you really want to read the comic book along with me, well, I'm not actually reading it, but it's a frame-by-frame kind of a slideshow video that I put uh, my audio to it and a little bit of background music. And so you can actually read the entire section of that comic book. Now, it's not the entire comic book because back then, mm, excuse me, back then, comic books were a conglomeration of stories. There's like seven or eight of them in this comic book. It wasn't just a, a story about Captain America or, you know, or excuse me, it wasn't a, an entire comic book about Captain America or, or some other whoever. Um, they had, like this one had the original Human Torch, which was an android, not Johnny Storm that we all know from Fantastic Four. And it was an android that could shoot flames out of his body, and it wasn't even a malevolent android. It was actually pretty benign. He was just like, oh my lord, I'm hurting people. I can't do that, but I can't stop making my body shoot flames out, which causes me to hurt people. That's more or less that story. But the one I focused on was the one called the Submariner, or Submariner, however you pronounce it. I've always said Mariner. And that is, of course, about Prince Namor. And that is the answer to the trivia question that I asked. It was a couple shows ago, or last show? No, it was a couple shows ago, yeah. And I've already answered the question, so I'm not going to delve into that again. But we're going to discuss kind of what's, I don't, I don't know. I'm just going to discuss kind of what my thoughts are regarding the artwork, regarding the social context going on outside of the comic book. And I'm going to focus on Bill Everett. Now, Bill Everett was the artist. He was the writer. He was the inker. He did all of it for that entire story. He created the character. And Bill Everett also was a co-creator for uh, Daredevil and, oh, I don't remember. There's one more lesser-known character that he was a co-creator for. But it's I'm going to talk about this from a social aspect, and it's very interesting. Because in the comic book, and you can read this yourself, and I really didn't have time to delve into it, so I didn't touch it in the video that I made that's, again, now up on YouTube. But in there... So you have Namor, the Submariner, and he's half-human. He goes back to his people. He takes some more trophies, for lack of a better expression. It's pretty brutal, actually. But he goes back to his people, and he presents these trophies to the Holy One and his mother, who uh, is a person of some import. I believe she's their queen. And... She said, and, and these trophies turned out to be the bodies of some sailors, some men. And she says, congratulations, my son. You have made a good beginning in our War of Revenge. And so then she starts talking about War of Revenge. Why, is, why, you know, why were you uh, getting revenge on them? So she goes into the backstory. And there are two frames in particular that I want to discuss. And that's the one where she's pleading her case and saying that I, and I'm quoting here, most nearly resembling the female of the white race, 
was invested as a spy. Now, this is his mother talking about what she did for their kingdom. But obviously, I'm focusing on the white race. That caught my eye. And really, I was like, wow, okay. I really didn't think too much of it. I was just like, dang, that's harsh. And then a few frames later, she said, and I quote, go now to the land of the white people. And like the context of the story right here was he was going to avenge their race. So he wasn't going there to make friends. He wasn't going there to engage in any sort of peace treaty or, or, you know, trade or anything else that you would think a head of state from under the sea would do. Again, this is comic books. This was aimed at kids too, by the way. And, but there's two times in the comic book where they mention white people specifically. That got me curious. Like, who wrote this? And that led me to, as I mentioned before, a guy named uh, Bill Everett, or William Blake Everett was his name, or his full name. And I, William Blake Everett was, he was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, come from a fairly, near as I can tell, you know, a fairly affluent lifestyle. I mean, nothing too big, but, you know, his family was well off. And I tried looking, there's, the, the information on him is limited. There, you know, he didn't make a huge name for himself, but there is a Wikipedia page, and I'm looking at it right now. And I really couldn't find anything controversial in his page, you know. There's nothing, nothing about him being, uh, nothing about him being a racist or anything. But, and he's also, for the record, a white dude. I'm looking at his picture right now. He's, you know, as white as I am. And I'm like, well, why did he use those words? And it didn't really make any sense to me. And I come up with a couple of possible explanations. So the first possible explanation I came up with was uh, perhaps... That was just a sign of the times. You know, because you got to remember, this was 1939. Uh, segregation was still in full effect. Jim Crow era laws were still in full effect. There were certain jobs you couldn't even do in the military if you were any, any if your skin color was anything other than white. It was a very racist time in which one could live. And so I kind of had the idea that perhaps that was just kind of how people thought. And this was really, it was kind of, it was kind of dark the way I went with this, that maybe to the average white person, the, the black people didn't really even exist. And, and so they weren't a threat and therefore Namor would have no, no need to, to go wage war upon them. I don't really think that holds water though. Because why would there still be the need if there's if you don't recognize black people as human and you don't you don't consider them a threat, why would you specifically say white men or white people or hang on whatever it said a minute ago and I was quoting, yeah, white people. Why would you even have to specify white people? And I don't really th- so I don't think it holds water for that reason. Another possibility is that Bill Everett was 
one of the early social justice warriors out there. Now, obviously, long before that term had ever, or excuse me, that expression had ever been heard or said, probably. But maybe it's possible. I mean, you look at you look around society today, and there's a lot of people with the same skin color that I have that think white people are evil. Maybe he was like that. I don't know. I found it. I just found it kind of fascinating that that was included in the comic book. And you know, he died six years before I was born, so I'm obviously not going to get it to ask him. And I couldn't find anything about his views uh, regarding race online. I just found it kind of interesting. And maybe a sign of the times. I don't know. So, I think we can all agree, racism sucks, though. And as I said in the last show, I've been accused of racism, or being a racist, by a family member. Okay, whatever. You can think what you want. I've known real racists, both the closet ones and the extroverted ones. And by closet ones, I mean people that kind of like, oh, I don't have a problem with black people, but, you know, I don't think, you know, they should marry white folks. Thankfully, that attitude is becoming less and less prevalent in society. And then I've actually known and worked with someone who outright told me that black people were not the same species as white people. And I'm just like, okay, all right, there's there's nothing I can say to you. Uh, <laughs> you you've got your mind made up, and, and it ain't changing. So, okay, well, you have a good day. And that's pretty much all you can do with those kinds of people. So, racism sucks. We'll leave it at that. And there was a weird little bit of it in Marvel Comics number one. Moving on. So, I'm going to move the nerd topic a little bit into my personal life and talk about what me and my family did last night for what we call family time. Now, we don't always have family time. We try to. Uh, it's something that everyone should do, especially if you want to maintain some good relationships in your family. It's always a good time. But we did pumpkin carving. And we have an online contest. Maybe I'll link it to you guys. Maybe I won't. We'll get a whole... Well, actually, no, I can't. It's a private. So, never mind. I'll just tell you what's going on. So, my kid carved a pumpkin. I've, as some of you may have seen uh, the, the, the meme with... I think it's Elmo with his arms spread wide. And there's flames behind him. And sometimes it has a caption on, For the glory of Satan! I don't know why I've always imagined it in the high-pitched voice. Probably because Elmo has a high-pitched voice. I guess that's why. But it's a hilarious meme. I think it's funny. Um, it's it's also in gift form. But So my kid actually carved that. with. It's quite good, actually. I was kind of impressed. Although, to be honest with you, I didn't get what it was at first until he pointed it out. And then I was like, oh, I can't unsee it. And that's just because, you know, sometimes when you get a first impression, you look at something and... You see one thing, and it's hard to not see that one thing unless the other thing is pointed out. It's kind of a just a weird psychological trick, you know, how your brain works. And did a really good job. Um, I, You know what? I'll tell you what. I might post pictures anyway. I mean, I, can, I still have them. I can post them myself. I just can't link you guys the, the voting. Um, anyway, 
my uh, my wife, she just did a, a pretty good job of just a pumpkin with a big mouth with some sharp, jagged teeth. And I mean, it's pretty standard. And me, I don't remember what gave me this idea. But I decided to break out the drill bit, and that was all I did. And so I spent about, I don't know, 20, maybe 30 minutes just drilling holes in this pumpkin. And that was my entire plan. I just drilled holes in the pumpkin. And I made the night sky. Not the entire night sky. I That would require a lot of planning and probably a, like, you know, a lot of drawing on it first, if you could even do that. But, yeah, so I made the night sky. I got some constellations in there that are pretty common, especially my favorite one. My favorite one, FYI, is the Orion constellation. That star up in the upper left corner of it, if you get a good look at it next time you see Orion, which it's starting to make um, it's starting to make its rounds again here in the winter, you'll notice that that star is a very kind of a rustic reddish, orangish red color. That star is Betelgeuse. And yeah, Betelgeuse is going to blow one day. And I'm really hoping I'm alive to see it because when it does, it'll be brighter than the sun. For a little while, anyway. I mean, it'll be it'll be spectacular. It'll be the first uh, first super first supernova uh, in our galaxy that was visible to the naked eye since for like a thousand years. So, really looking forward to that. But anyway, so Orion's my favorite constellation. I've got Orion in there. Uh, of course, Orion the Hunter is uh, always chasing Taurus the Bull, and Taurus the Bull has the Pleiades sisters on his back. Taurus the bull is a lot harder to do and constantly, you know, a lot harder to recognize. But I put the the Pleiades is a little, a lot of people mistake it for the little dipper. It's not, but it's really, really tight star, star uh, um, constellation, really small, but in a telescope re- resolves itself nicely. And I got the big dipper and the little dipper. And of course the big dipper is not actually a constellation, but it's still a very recognizable star cluster. And and then a whole bunch of just random other stars in there, not really real ones, just a bunch of holes I poked. And I think it looks phenomenal. Right now, me and my kid are about neck and neck in the voting, and whoever wins gets, I don't know, some treat, some prize. So it's really cool. Looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to share that because, you know, nerdy astronomy, I kind of opened up with that. Uh, but I do want to end, we're almost at the end of this segment, I do want to end with the trivia question, uh, the trivia question, excuse me. If you watch the YouTube video, you're going to get the question there, too. And that is, the CCA ran pretty much unchecked and unchanged for about 15 years or so, from the mid-50s to the early 70s, until there was one mainstream Marvel comic book series that, for three issues, flouted the CCA's rules and were and was the first time since the CCA had been printed or began I should say that Marvel comic books ran comic books without the actual CCA tag or the stamp up in the upper right hand corner which comic book was that which series it's a main it's a major main character I know every single one of you have heard of this which series was that and bonus points for the issue numbers that's the end of this segment. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, give me a call. Again, 317-978-NERD. That's 317-978-6373. Go to the website, www.nerdymerc.com, which, uh, full disclosure, I've decided that I'm not doing that website. 
I'm hiring someone else to do it because I just don't have the time to learn all that. So that will be coming soon, and it will be professionally done. Kind of looking forward to it. So make sure you stick around for the next segment, and as always, thank you for listening. It was 